0: It's great to have you, and so um, this afternoon the uh, title of my sermon is Hear, Listen and Receive the Word, and it's part of a series called Living in Joyful Service to God, and that's what we are doing, serving the Lord joyfully. So we're going to read the text which is taken from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, And I'm reading from the ESV version. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save Your souls. So, the context here, James is giving instructions to probably the Jewish Christian community. James is believed to be the half brother of Jesus Christ, and he certainly was at that point in time the leader of the church in Jerusalem, but he's speaking wider to the Jewish community of Christians. Um, And his emphasis was that no matter what they're going through, no matter how difficult things are, and they would have been going through many times of persecution, his message was stay, serve God with joy. And he gives some specific instructions, which we're going to go through bit by bit. So we'll look more closely at verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Now, the Amplified Bible says, let every person be a ready listener. Is there a difference between hearing and listening? Did you hear what I said? Were you really listening to me? How many times have you been in a scenario? Maybe you're a pupil, and there's your teacher. Maybe a parent to a child... Or you're in a friendship and you're being accused of not listening. Did did you hear? Are you really listening? So there is a difference because we're we're very used to hearing things that are being said but not hearing them. We take sometimes what we hear for granted. So I'll give you an example. If, If you've ever taken the time to sit down and type out a sermon that you've listened to, you would be amazed at what you missed the first time round, the second time round, as you begin to see the depth of what's been said and the many, many words that you missed when you thought that you were hearing what was being said. So listening is an active thing, and James is encouraging the, the folks there to be quick to be attentive, to be quick to focus um, on what is being heard. So quick to hear, be sharp with it. In this Ecclesiastes chapter five and verse one, it further illustrates, and I like what it says, Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse one. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So there's an action there. To draw near to listen is better than sacrifice. So we've got to be active in hearing. We've got to be focused. We've got to be listening, not just letting words go past us. The second part of um, Ecclesiastes five, verse two, I want you to go to. It says, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. That speaks to me of the fact that God is the potter, where the clay, he's above, where beneath. He is in control, we are not. But it says, do not be rash with your mouth, and so, James has not only said, be quick to hear, but he said, be slow to open your mouth, be slow to speak. Why is that so important? Just at the end of that verse I read in Ecclesiastes, it says, therefore, let your words be few. And, and since the beginning of the year, that's been one of my mottos, we I've been asked a lot of questions I just say, I will let my words be few. I'm not going to be quick to talk. I'm not going to be quick to say things. Because there's a danger when you do that. And James's instructions are so important about being slow to speak. You see, if we don't actually listen, if we don't actively focus and listen, we can jump in and speak about something out of context. We can imagine anything because we've heard something and we've jumped on the bandwagon really quickly and we've got the wrong end of the stick. And James is trying to encourage the brethren not to do that because we can so easily misunderstand and go off on a tangent. And we can so easily listen to so many of the voices that are out there. And imagine us today, what is not on the internet to listen to? especially in lockdown, what are people chasing after? What words have we ourselves as Christians been listening to? This theory, that theory, this opinion, that opinion, taking so much time to listen and little time to listen to the true voice, the voice of God. And James is encouraging them, listen to the voice of God and say little until you know what you're talking about. We need to make sure as well that we have distinguished that right voice, that voice of God. Because when we hear the word, that gives us the power to speak the things that we should be speaking. And the power is hidden inside of the word, and we'll come to that in a little bit. So James has said that be quick to hear, but be slow to open your mouth. And then he says, be slow to anger. And that's the third instruction in verse 19. What this verse points us to is what are the results of not hearing well and therefore speaking out of turn. Yes, we misunderstand and we can become angry. And there are many ways in which we can sin, but the Bible speaks a good number of times about the effects of being angry. Well, look what happened to Jonah. So angry with God, he ended up in the belly of a whale. So angry he was with God. Didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. I'll tell you a little story about my own journey. When I was a little girl, I I had a quick temper. I'm sure I haven't got a quick temper now. But I had um, a, a fairly fierce temper. And I was given a bone china tea set by a friend of mine. It was stunning. I loved playing with this tea set. I loved it. My older sister, she asked me if she could play with it. I didn't want her to play with it. Because it was mine. And it was my gift and my present. And nobody else had the right to it. Remember, I wasn't born again when I was a little girl. And so she tried to take the box, and I took the box, and she took the box, and I took the box, and then I began to shake the box because she wasn't going to have it. It's mine. Of course, when I opened the box, there was one teacup left and one saucer, and everything was smashed. The results of anger destroy. They destroy people. They destroy environments. James was encouraging people not to get to a place of anger because you've not listened well, because you've not heard well. Why? Let's look at verse 20. And so we see in verse 20 the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But I like the way that it says this in the Passion Translation. For anger doesn't make us good, as God demands that we must be. So anger makes us the opposite to what God is saying that we should be and can be, and will be. If we're born again, then we have to fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. God demands that we must be good people, godly people, holy people. And that takes me to a little pause here because today it would seem that I am talking to people who are born again, as was James in the Bible. But if you're not born again today, and if anything that you're hearing is churning in your heart, if you're not born again and you have been tuning in to KTTV, because I know a good number of people are, And you keep thinking about your life and why they're talking about being like God and being godly. If you've got questions, at the end of the service you'll hear how to join with some people and ask those questions. And perhaps today you would consider, I want to be like the things that I am hearing about from this church. So it's great that this context is speaking to those who are born again, but those of you who are not... Consider Jesus today. Consider being born again of the Spirit of God. Consider walking into a life of fulfillment that will have its troubles, but where you will be secure and have power to live right. Hallelujah. And so we must understand about anger that anger in itself is like any other thing that's opposing God. Anger is sin. And sin separates us from God and his plans and his purpose in our lives. And we're called for a purpose. And in order to fulfill that purpose, our lives must line up with God. So walking in anger, saying things that we shouldn't say, these are warnings James was giving for a purpose. That we would live the life in the purpose which God called us to live in. Right now in our house, in our church we're on a journey, we're raising up leaders, we're training people, enabling each of us being trained, each of us being discipled, and each of us who continue to be discipled by our own leaders, enabling each of us to fulfil our God-given purpose, enabling Kensington Temple to live out its purpose, the call that God has on this house. But if you are angry, How can you take discipleship forward? How can you reach the lost for Christ? How can you nurture somebody and disciple them so that they also become disciple makers if you're caught up in the sin of anger? If you're caught up, if you haven't let that go, if you've heard but you haven't listened well and by not listening well you've got off on a tangent and you just have no idea. That you might have got it wrong, that you might have misunderstood. How do we rescue that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, Ephesians 4, 26. It says, Be angry and do not sin. And it may look like Paul is saying it's all right to be angry here, but I've been studying our Sword of the Spirit series. Listening to God, written by our senior minister, an excellent series of books to study. And I learned in there that Paul wasn't dealing with anger as such. He's dealing with anger that springs up from our sinful nature. So be angry and do not sin. Do something about it. Because our nature which has been sinful, will automatically want to go there. We automatically want to get upset about something that we have misunderstood. And James was encouraging the body, listen, hear well, hear well. So anger that springs up from our old nature is sin, and that's why we need to hear the word of God. Ephesians 4.29 also reminds us, that we should be speaking in a way that imparts grace to the hearers. So if you're angry, how can you impart grace? How can you be giving something of God, a gift of God, to any other person while you're angry, while your speech isn't good and clear and plain and pure? We have to get rid of the sin nature. The Passion Translation, I like looking at lots of different translations of the Bible. In that same verse, 20, it says, For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. Our job is to promote the purpose of God and his righteous purpose. So we shouldn't sin and we shouldn't allow the sinful nature to rise up And there's only one way to be empowered to do this. Let's go over to verse 21, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation of James chapter 1. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. We abandon them so that we promote God's righteous purpose. The Bible talks about the fact that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. And we've been learning over a number of weeks how we are part of the kingdom, how we are to live and bring down the kingdom of God into the earth and into our situations and circumstances. So we want to be people who promote the righteousness of God but we need the power to do that. And so as it says, we abandon everything that's morally impure, every type of speech that's not good. Everything that comes out of that spirit or nature of anger. And instead, with a sensitive spirit, the Passion Translation says, we absorb God's word. We absorb it which has been implanted within our nature, for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. That's a really powerful phrase that we absorb the word of God. And Ephesians 1, chapter 13, reminds us that when we received the word, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we know and we understand the Holy Spirit is that active part Of the Trinity of God. The Holy Spirit will do what the Word of God has commanded. And that Word has life and that Word has power. So a couple more scriptures that we're going to look at and we're going to talk a little bit more around what was James meaning. Because with a sensitive or meek spirit, we absorb the Word of God. And so Psalms 119 and verse 11, very powerful scripture, it says, I have stored up, I'm reading from, I think the ESV, I have stored up your word in my heart. Another version will say, I've hidden, I've hidden your word in my heart. So that I will not sin against you or I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart or I've hidden it that I might not sin against you. And this is where we receive the power to be slow to speak and slow to anger, because the word of God is hidden in our hearts. The word of God is implanted in us, and there are many scriptures which remind us what happened at the day that we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. And as we've been taught, as we've been discipled, we have been receiving the word of God. So here is another difference we hear. But we listen by grasping, by focusing. and we don't just listen, but the Word of God is implanted in us. We receive that Word of God. It's implanted in us. So as James was encouraging the believers to hear, it had to be a hearing from the heart. How does the word get in us? How do we absorb the word? How is it hidden? It's hidden in our hearts. Remember Ecclesiastes 5.1, it said, don't, don't let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. Your heart utters the words out of the abundance of our heart. That's how we speak. So it's about the condition of our heart, and what changes our heart is the power of the word of God. So we need to hide that inside of us, in our spirits. That the word of God is hidden in us. We read, we hear, we listen, we grab, we absorb the powerful word of God that changes us. The other scripture that I wanted to look at is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and it is active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So why are we empowered not to be angry? Why are we empowered to be able to hear, to be able to absorb, to be able to receive the word of God? That word is alive and active. It's as alive and active as an insult that you might receive and become offended by. And how easily we are offended. The second you hear something negative being said about you, boom, there it is. It rises up. Offense is taking place. And you're angry. Because you take that word as alive But take that word of God because it's living, it's active, it's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And that word is alive inside our hearts. So that we're empowered to live out our salvation. And that's what that final verse says in verse 21, doesn't it? It says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But that's talking about being saved, walking out your salvation, taking that word which is able to keep you, which is able to help you and empower you to walk out your salvation, to live it out. So I ask the question today, are we hearing and then just ignoring, forgetting, Or are we really listening, tuning in, as James encourages his body, that we're grabbing, we're focusing on what we're hearing. And as we focus, is that word being implanted in us today? That word that will carry us into our community, into the nations of the world. Are we hiding that word, receiving it to change our lives? Because that word will change our lives. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.